During the French Revolution, there were three Christians who were sentenced to die by the guillotine. One Christian had the gift of faith, the other had the gift of prophecy, and the other had the gift of helps. The Christian with the gift of faith was executed first, or was going to be executed first, and he was asked if he wanted to wear a hood over his head, and he declined because he said, I'm not afraid to die. I have faith that God will deliver me. And he shouted that bravely before everybody. So his head was positioned under the guillotine and his neck set at the chopping block. He looked up the sharp blade and said a short prayer to God, God, I know you can deliver me. And he waited confidently. The rope was pulled, but nothing happened. The executioners were amazed, believing this must be from God, and they let him go. The next Christian with the gift of prophecy came up next, and his head was positioned under the guillotine, and he too was asked if he wanted to wear the hood. He said, no, I'm not afraid to die. However, I predict that God will deliver me from this guillotine. And at that, the rope was pulled, and again, nothing happened. And once again, the executioners were like, well, this must be from God, and they let him go free as well. The third Christian, with the gift of helps, he was next, and he was brought to the guillotine, and they asked him, would you like to wear the hood? And he said, no, I'm just as brave as those other guys. The executioners then laid him down, face up, looking at the guillotine. They're about to pull the rope, and because he had the gift of helps, he said, wait, hey, hey, hold on a minute. I found the problem. Anyways, it's a funny joke. Okay, I know what you're thinking. I thought we were done with spiritual gifts. Didn't you say that a couple weeks ago, that we were, we were done? And, and yes and no, all right? We, we've completed the first of three different sections on spiritual gifts. What we covered was the fivefold gifts, and those are found in Ephesians 4. Um, and I believe those are incredibly important and like very needed in the church is why we hit them up first. Um, so if you missed any of that series, please go back and listen to it. You can find it um, on podcast apps, on Facebook, YouTube, kind of everywhere. Um, go back and listen to those. But we are starting the second section or the second type of gifts today. And these gifts are called the manifestational gifts. That's a fun word. Um, supposedly, according to Microsoft Word, it's not even a word. So um, I made it up for this. But now, they're manifestational because they manifest upon us. And that's, these are found in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. And it says, To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. In that section of Scripture, we find these gifts, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, the gift of faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, speaking in unknown languages or tongues, um, and the interpretation of that. Now, over the next Sundays, we are going to take, you know, and look into each one of those gifts and dig a little bit deeper into the depth of what those are, how they function, how to use those gifts, and really kind of try and unmystify them. Um, because I think we look at all these things and we talk about spiritual gifts and we kind of make them this, like, woo, weird, you know, supernatural things, which they are because they're not natural, but it doesn't mean that they're weird and that we can't understand them or that they're going to, like, overwhelm us. I was listening to a teaching that um, Dee Dee Trevelyan, she sent me but for one of her mentors, and she was talking about these spiritual gifts and things, and she used the word, she said that these are the technology that God uses. 
it's not weird or mystic once we can understand how to use it or how they operate. You know, it's kind of like when the first, like, wireless devices came out. It's like, what the heck? How are these things connecting to stuff? Like, really, if you sit back and think about, like, what you can do with your phone, it's really crazy. And really, we don't understand probably 99% of how our phones actually work and, like, that they're connecting to satellites and cellular service and tracking your GPS and doing all these things at the same time. Somehow, they can wirelessly charge. Like, who would have thought that you'd be at a day where you don't actually have to plug in a device for it to charge up? Power is now sent through the air, right? That, those are weird things that we, because we understand that that's just the technology of life around us, we just accept and go, yeah, that's just how it works and that's what life is. And so our goal in this series is to look at all these gifts and just learn to understand the technology that God has given us and so that it doesn't seem weird and that it's just like, oh, I see how this can be a part of every piece of my life. So like I said, we're going to dig into each one of these um, week after week moving on. But today we're going to spend some time just looking at the overall idea of what manifestational gifts are and what they're for. These gifts that are found in 1 Corinthians 12, um, 8 through 11, they make the presence of the living God visible and tangible in our lives. They are the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Right? God gives these when, when he's inviting you into an opportunity to advance his kingdom. Manifestation by definition, it just means an event or an action or object that clearly shows or embodies something, especially a theory or an abstract idea. It's a symptom or a sign of an ailment. It could be a version or an incarnation of something or someone or the appearance of a ghost or a spirit. Right? It's just this idea of something that all of a sudden you can see, something that was abstract that becomes tangible. Right? These gifts reveal to us and to others that God is real, that Jesus' words are true, and that the Holy Spirit is still moving today. The word manifestation originates from the Latin manifestare, something like that. I don't speak Latin, I just try and make it look good. But that Latin word really directly translates over to, to make public. So when we talk about these manifestation gifts, it's really making God public. Now before we move on, I want to reiterate over and over again as we go through these spiritual gifts that without love, none of these gifts matter. And that if we aren't using these gifts to serve others, then we've taken them out of the context in which they belong and they're no longer serving their purpose. Right? Technology can be a very beneficial thing to our lives, but technology can also be very harmful if used inappropriately. And that's kind of the same thing. We have these gifts, but if you try and take them out of the context of loving and serving others, then they can be harmful. And often just you're probably abusing something and not really working in them because God wouldn't move in that way because he is love. We have to love first and foremost. It's at the end of this chapter of uh, 12, chapter 12 that Paul says, let me show you the way that is best of all. And then he begins 1 Corinthians 13, his message on love. These gifts cannot be self-serving. They can, in turn, be beneficial to your own life while being used to serve others. But if you are only using it to serve yourself, it's not being used appropriately. So what's the difference between these gifts and these fivefold gifts that we learned about previously? Well, unlike the fivefold gifts that are built into our DNA, and like they really direct and guide every piece of our lives, 
these gifts are different because everybody has access to them. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have access to all of these things. And if you can surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit, you can do these. And we're going to come back to that idea of surrendering to the Holy Spirit because that's really key to all this. But first, we need to understand this a little bit more. How do we know that these gifts are for everyone? Well, in 1 Corinthians 12, a few verses um, kind of hit up on this idea. So verses 4 through 7 says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. There's so much good little nuggets inside that, but it's this idea that the same Spirit, same Holy Spirit is empowering anybody to do these gifts. It's the same Lord, and God works because it's the same God who does that work in all of us. That was intense. I don't know what it was. But, um, but that spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And if we jump down to verse 28 through 31, it says, here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. In verse 29, it says, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. In verse 28, Paul points to those gifts of the fivefold and some of those other gifts that are given to only certain people. But then he goes on to say that we should desire the most helpful gifts, earnestly desire them. Why would he say desire them if you can't have them, if they're not something that we have access to? And he doesn't say it once. He says it again in 1 Corinthians 14, chapter 1. He says, let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Now, if Paul knew we couldn't have the other gifts, why would he say that? That's just, you know, not nice. Um, but we obviously have the ability to seek out these certain gifts because they all come from the same Spirit that's inside of us. And each of us can move in these gifts. Now, these gifts, like I said, they're not specifically given out. You know, one person has this, one person has that. But there are ones that you will tend to operate more in or use more because of your fivefold gift. You're not limited to those gifts, but they're probably more comfortable to you because they come naturally. Like, obviously, if you are a fivefold prophet, then you probably, probably have prophecy. You probably use that or words of wisdom or knowledge because that comes natural. If you're a teacher, then you probably have words of wisdom or discernment moving in your life. If you're an evangelist, you could see the miracles and the healings. Apostles, you tend to have the gift of faith because you like to see things that are not already there coming to be. Pastors, you often move in words of knowledge and discernment on how people are handling life around them. But you really have access to them all. And in reality, we're expected to do so. We can agree that as we saw in, in that last studies of the gifts, that Jesus models a life that we should be living. And that life that we could be living today, he moved in many of these things. I can actually find an example for each of those gifts besides tongues and interpretation. And that's because, we'll dig into it deeper another time, but that's a gift that was reserved for after the Holy Spirit came to the earth, which would be after Jesus left. But all those other gifts we'd see Jesus moving in and having a part of. 
And Jesus said this about all the followers coming after him, which includes us today in John 14, 12. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. We should see supernatural things, these things just happening in our lives so much so that Jesus expected it to happen in our lives even more than he did. This is not just something that we're talking about today, but this is actually a core value of our church, to be empowered. We are called to be an empowered church. Jesus told us in Acts 1.8 that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. And I believe that happens in us when we give our lives over to Jesus and we accept him as Lord of our lives. Holy Spirit fills us. 2 Peter 1.3 says, By his divine nature, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. That's my favorite verse in the whole Bible because there's so many times that I feel like I just need more of something and that I'm lacking something and so I'm not able to get through my day or get through my life or accomplish what God has put before me or what has been placed before me. But I fall back to this verse because it says God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. The, the access to everything we need is right there once we've come to know him. That life that Jesus was expecting us to live is right there. It's, it's accessible to us. So why aren't we seeing these things happening in our lives? Well, first off, you probably actually are, and they're probably happening in, in small little ways, and you haven't fully noticed or grasped what's going on. You know, we talked about this actually at our Bible study this past week, which was really cool because I wrote this sermon already. And then we went out, I don't know, on probably a half an hour, we just sat and discussed these little ways that God was showing up in our lives and we were hearing things or, or God had said something to us and we were unsure about it and then we saw things happening because of it and all, just the ways that God moves in little ways in our lives. You know, what was happening is you guys were getting words of knowledge and you guys were seeing visions of, of future things, which is prophecy. And the second thing, really, it's just, just because you have access to something doesn't mean that you actually have it, right? Like, I have the ability to go out and earn a lot of money in ways I have access to it, but I don't have it, you know, but I could go make it happen. Or, you know, you, you have the way it's, like today, you know, I have some money in my bank account. It's not a lot, but there's some there. And I have access to it because I have a debit card, but I don't have my money with me right now. You know, and that's a lot of what this is, is the gifts, all of these things that God has for you is just kind of like sitting in a vault and he's given you Jesus as, you, as like your debit card to access it. But we often just go, eh, I'll be fine and I'll just swipe my debit card when I need it instead of actually having my money and so God shows up in little bits and pieces in our lives when we pull it out because we need it instead of just having it with us at all times. So far this summer, like Noah said, we've already had two baptisms, water baptisms, and a third one on the way. Well, in Christian theology, there's this thing called a second baptism or baptism of the Holy Spirit. And now I don't necessarily like the term, and more that has to do with the way that I think it was taught growing up around me and... Um, so I know you guys, some of you may be growing up in the church where you say baptism of the Holy Spirit and you instantly like, nah, I'm out of here. Weird things happen on those stuff. And, you know, and you're like, oh, I just, that makes me uncomfortable. Stay with me because 
I too had that bad taste in my mouth from, from my life growing up and what I saw. So stay with me because I, I want to view it differently than you've probably heard it before and what it's supposed to mean. Um, because the most basic definition of this is the empowering of the Holy Spirit on your life to use you. And the book of Acts shows this happening. And chapter 2 is the account of the day of Pentecost. This is the first moment that Holy Spirit was able to fall and, and dwell fully on the earth. Because up until Jesus had come, he, the Spirit came and empowered, and the Spirit came and did little things here and there. But Jesus, he promised that when he rose again and he went to heaven, that he would send the Holy Spirit to come and dwell and empower and be our comforter and our teacher and our counselor and, and all these things. So in Acts 1.8, you know, he says, he tells his disciples, hey, Holy Spirit's coming, but I have to go for Holy Spirit to come. And you're, you want that. You're going to need that. And he ascends to heaven. And in chapter two, his disciples are sitting in um, this upper room and they're praying and Holy Spirit fell. And it fulfilled that promise of what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. And then we see throughout the book of Acts, over and over again, people laying hands on others, praying for others to receive this power of the Holy Spirit. Some of it happened separate from their salvation moments, but also sometimes something that happened simultaneously. Growing up, I viewed this as God giving me and filling me with the Spirit. Like it was a liquid, some sort of idea, you know, like I just opened my mouth and it just filled me to the top. Um, I, don't, I don't really know, you know, like you hear things, so you picture them, and I'm like a very visual person, so that's what I picture, kind of like literally just like filling me, and but that was like weird to me because it's like somehow this all-powerful God was going to fill me so I could use his power in me. And I'm like, I don't, that doesn't seem right because that all of a sudden gives me like more authority than the God inside of me. And I always like questioned and had problems with that. Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians, I believe, he says, but we have this power in vessels or in jars of clay, like referencing like, yeah, Holy Spirit's inside of us, but we don't have the power to hold it back. Like, it could easily just shatter and bust out of us. And I started to realize that baptism in the Holy Spirit is really a surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit, to have control of your life, right? Because the Holy Spirit is a being. It's not a liquid. It's not just a, an essence. Holy Spirit is a being of some sort, and you cannot be filled in that way, but you can be surrendered to him. Could he easily overpower us because he is part of the, the Trinity as God? Sure, but he's a gentleman who's sitting back and waiting for permission to come into your life. Like I said earlier, there's a key that we need to this empowerment, and that is surrender. To be empowered is really to let go of our power and our control of our life, to let the Holy Spirit use us however he wants to. See, this is similar to baptism and why it was phrased this way as a second baptism, because when you go to do a water baptism, you surrender yourself to be taken underwater, right? Like in, in real life, you don't want people to dunk you underwater. That's like, no, I avoid that because I like air. And um, so you're surrendering your, your old life to be taken under the water so that you can be raised to a new life when you come out of the water, signifying what God has made you into that new creation. You're dying to your old self to let your new self come out of you. You know, and, but in this baptism, now we, we find out, like, it's kind of that same surrender to, to Holy Spirit instead. Like, say, I don't, I don't want control over my life. I'll let you overwhelm me and overcome me so that I can be fully the new creation that you've called me to be. 
Ephesians 5.8 says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I always found this verse interesting that Paul compared being drunk to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, it, one day I, I heard something, you know, and it's one of those phrases you hear all the time, and, um, but all of a sudden it just like clicked differently. Has that ever happened to you before? Where you're like, I get that a lot, and I get like where I've been seeing the same word over and over again, then all of a sudden it's like, that doesn't even look like the right word. Did I spell it wrong? You know, but it's one of those phrases that stood out to me, and it was, I was talking to somebody who had just gotten a DUI, you know, and it was driving under the influence. You know, and being drunk is really being referred to as under the influence of alcohol. And this is actually an old idea that goes back years and years ago, because in the book of Proverbs, it actually talks about not, like avoiding the influence of alcohol in our lives. And I think what Paul was saying was like, instead of being, living your life influenced by alcohol, live under the influence of the Holy Spirit, right? Some of us know some functional alcoholics, right, where they're probably drinking way too much all the time and somehow surviving through life, just making it by, well, in some sort of weird way, God wants maybe a spiritual version of that, um, you know, where we're, we're just constantly going, I can't live without the Holy Spirit in my life, that I can't do this, I can't go out on my day and without being under his influence. Imagine if your life was completely surrendered to the influence of the Holy Spirit, that you let him influence every decision that you let him influence every action, that you let him influence what your day looks like and what your night's going to look like. That is what Paul was referring to. So what happened that, to that first group in Acts 2 when they surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, On the day of Pentecost, all believers in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard this loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are from Galilee, yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia. That word, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we hear all these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. So let's back up. They were in this space meeting together. In fact, they had been meeting together for a while, waiting for this power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised to them. Because he said, hey, don't go out and start your ministry quite yet. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. You need to go wait. And so they were up in this room hanging out and, and fellowshipping and praying together. And then, like, bam, Holy Spirit showed up all of a sudden. And it came and supernatural things started happening. Things that they can't fully describe. I love verses in the Bible where it says, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. Because there's like, I don't really have a word for it. Whatever was happening, it was kind of like this. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared upon them. Another, I, 
I don't know how to describe what was happening. It was just one of these things like this, right? Like that's what should be happening in our lives when the Holy Spirit is empowering us. We should be like not be able to fully describe moments that God shows up in our lives. And so all these unusual things that they couldn't fully describe were happening and somehow out of their mouths came some noise that was understood in at least 15 languages. And it was testifying about God. Then Peter, empowered and surrendered to the Holy Spirit, spoke out. If we continue reading after that verse, he gave a sermon to all of these people that were standing out there in the streets wondering what was going on. And somehow his one spoken message was heard in all 15 languages. And we find in verse 41 that 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ. That's crazy. Those are the things when we live surrendered should be happening in our lives. I want to take a moment and point out the critics who showed up there and was like, those people are drunk. You know, and Peter actually referenced that. He's like, we're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning and mimosas aren't even a thing yet. You know, and, uh, you know, and so just, he's like, that's not it at all. There will always be critics. There will always be people who say, I don't believe it. There's got to be another explanation. There's got to be something else going on. Like, who gets drunk and then all of a sudden can speak 15 languages at one time? Right? Like, no. I mean, you start slurring. Unknown languages probably come out of your mouth, but not 15 languages. But there'll be critics that show up. And sometimes the worst critic is ourselves, where we feel God wanting to move out of us, and we go, oh, that's not me. I don't do those things. That's, I can't do that. There's got to be somebody else either. And I just want to say, don't be that person. Fight that feeling. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. That's literally what's happening is that battle of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, this is what I want to do right now. All you have to do is say yes. But we often go, oh, I don't know, that's weird. And we just push it back down. Just do what you are empowered to do like Peter. See, and it didn't stop here. This continued all throughout the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 5, 15 through 16, it says, As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. All of them were healed. I, I can't even begin to imagine what that would look like. Acts 19, 11 through 12, it says, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Right? How much easier would it be to tell people about God if everyone who was sick came to you and they walked away healed? Right? And that can happen. The Holy Spirit's still empowering people today, and He is in you ready to move. He empowers those who surrender to Him. The more of your life you hand over, the more you will see Him move in your life. See, most, Christian, most Christians are quick to surrender the things of their lives that they don't want, kind of like the garbage of your lives. You're like, yeah, God, I don't want that either. Take it, take it. You know, here, have all that stuff. Clean me up. Help me, help me to live better. Take these bad habits. Take these bad attitudes. Take these... Um, bad emotions, all these things help me, and you're, you're quick to let God clean you up. 
But imagine if, like, if you really want to be used by God, you have to surrender those good things too, right? Things like the life you are wanting to have, your family, your time, your talents, your ministries, your fivefold gift. Like we talked about, imagine if God empowered who you naturally are and who he created you to be. And stop giving God just your garbage. He'll take it. He wants to clean you up. But that's not his goal. The garbage is not what he wants. Right? When you clean your car out, hopefully you clean your car out from time to time, um, but when you clean it out, like the goal isn't to go like, oh, yeah, look at all this garbage I now have. Right? You're not like put it all in one bag and then hang the bag up on your, on your wall because you're like, yes, I've collected all the garbage. There's everything I wanted. No, what you're excited about is the clean car you now get to get in and use. And that's what God wants of us. He cleans us out because he's waiting for a clean, surrendered vessel, a vehicle that he can use. Now, like I said, we're going to go through this series over the next few weeks, and we're going to be looking at each gift. And we're going to take time to, to practice and understand the technology and, and things. But I want to see us being fully empowered to do these things. I don't want us to see, you know, just like, well, okay, when it pops up, when I got to swipe my debit card to access them, like I hope I have a better understanding of what to do with it. But I want you to have it in your pockets so that when the moment comes, you're ready to act in it and use it and understand it. If the worship team wants to come up. In just a moment, we're going to spend some time, and I, I, I just want you to take some time and say, okay, God, what haven't I given over to you? What, how, can you how can I surrender my life more to you? Because to be fully empowered, we need to live fully surrendered. We've got to choose to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. There's a reason. Imagine being a witness of everything that happened in Acts 2. Imagine that. Imagine being one of those people in the crowd where you're watching one guy speak and everybody around you speaking different languages, understanding him. I bet for weeks those people talked about that moment. Man, do you remember how crazy it was that morning? Those people were just shouting in that room. We all went outside to go see what was going on and we were all hearing him. What the, what the heck? Imagine being those people that... You're, you're walking, you know, just in a store and you look out and you see these sick people laying on their beds on the side of the street and Peter walks by and his shadow covers them and all of a sudden they get up. The sores all over their bodies just clean off and all of a sudden they're just fine and they're moving along. That person doesn't walk out of there the same person after what they've witnessed. And that's what God's called us to be and yet we don't witness those things in our lives. Because we're not surrendered. First, we need to be the people out there doing it so that these things can be witnessed. You can go ahead and start playing if you want. Um, and so, I know the prayer team's going to come up and they're going to come down here and, and maybe you want to come forward and you want prayer for it. Maybe you just want to stay where you're at. Maybe you want to stand. Maybe you want to kneel and just say, okay, God, how can I live fully surrendered? What does it really look like in my life to be fully surrendered to you? What more do I need to give over? Maybe you just need to pray for people around you. And what I really want to see happen is that we are surrendered today. That we choose to say, okay, God, what are you saying right now? Holy Spirit, how can I be empowered to act right now?
Maybe you're going to be directed to pray for somebody else in here. Maybe you're going to hear something like we talked about Wednesday night and go, I don't know why I just heard that, but I feel like I need to tell so-and-so. Or maybe you're going to have, you know, maybe I need to text this person I haven't seen in a long time and just see how they're doing. Because maybe the Holy Spirit's going to put somebody on your heart that they've been thinking about. This is a moment to surrender, a moment to be empowered, and then a moment to act on it. Let me pray and then we can move forward. God, I, I just thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, that, that you sent Holy Spirit to come and, and dwell here so that life can be supernatural. God, I want to see moments that, that I can't walk away the same person that I walked into that situation as because I've seen you show up. These manifest gifts, that this idea of God that seems so abstract sometimes being manifested and fully coming to some realization in front of me that I cannot deny because of what I've seen and experienced. God, I pray that you would help us to live fully surrendered. God, right now, will we begin to just surrender ourselves over to you? Holy Spirit, come have your way in our lives. God, you are welcome into all of that I am, into all of my life. God, I want to be a witness. I want to see you move. I want to tell people about you. Would you empower us today? I said, if you want to come forward for prayer, if you just want to stand or sit or kneel and, you know, let God move in your lives where you're at, that's fine too.
Holy Spirit, we just welcome you into our lives. We welcome you to fill every space, even if you have to push other things out of there, God. God, I know it's going to be uncomfortable, like someone else coming in and rearranging my house. I'm going to go try and find things that aren't there anymore, but that's okay, God, because I want to find you in every place in my life. God, I don't want to just see you move when I have no other, like, hope for anything. But I want you to be that first thing I turn for. That's why I want to find you everywhere I turn. God, help us to live under your influence that in every action that I'm considering you and and beyond considering that I'm just seeing you move. God, in every decision and every step that I take, God, that it would be under your influence. that I couldn't turn to the left or the right without seeing you doing things in my life and moving in ways that are beyond what I could understand. God, we need more opportunities in our lives to share about you with words that I can't fully express. God, as we go into this new series, new piece of this series, God, would you help us to not be I guess weirded out by it, but that we would be able to understand how you move and understand that that you have a kingdom and a whole set of laws that exist at the same time as ours, God, but that we can understand them just as well. That it doesn't have to be things that are outside of our understanding, but that we can grasp them and that we can use them, Lord. Broaden our understanding, God. God, may we be putting these things into practice, that we don't just walk out of here today and go, that was a cool thing. God, that we would begin, even at lunch today, even this afternoon, that we begin going, God, how would you influence this situation? And God, that we would begin to see us living out an empowered life before us. And we're so grateful that, that you don't just leave us here. But that according to Scripture, you've given us everything we need to live this life you've called us to. God, it's all accessible for us. Would you just help us to to be surrendered, to access it? We love you so much. In your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, go be productive but empowered for Jesus today.